0: This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.
0: This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media in the South, we're delighted to welcome a great American, Victor Davis Hanson, a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. His focus is classics and military history. He received his Ph.D. in classics from Stanford University. Professor Hanson has written or edited 24 books, the latest of which is the Case for Trump, published in 2019. His other books include The Second World Wars, The Savior Generals, How Five Great Commanders Saved Wars That Were Lost from Ancient Greece to Iraq, and The End of Sparta that was published in 2011. There are a plethora of excellent books that we would encourage our readers uh, to definitely seek out. It is indeed our great honor at America's Roundtable to welcome Professor Victor Hansen. Welcome, sir. Welcome,
1: Professor Hansen and awesome. Thank you for having me, Uh, Professor Hansen, Democrat-run Congress passed For the People Act, also known as Voting Rights Bill or HR One, and it has been placed on the Senate legislative calendar last month. If enacted, HR One bill would remove the requirement for ID voter identification, make mail-in voting permanent, require states to offer online and same-day voter registration, as well as 15 days of early voting nationwide, among others. Simultaneously, the state are passing laws to secure free and fair elections and achieve election integrity in the future midterm and presidential elections. Professor Hansen, how would you interpret the most recent uproar in Georgia with a number of CEOs weighing into the discussion to oppose the most recent Georgia's law, which requires the most common sense measure, the photo ID before voting, among other measures?
2: Well, I think the larger background, we have to remember that in 2020, we had the largest number of people in the history of the republic that did not vote on election day. We had gone from a prior record of 42% did not vote on election day in 2016 to 62%. And what to keep in mind is traditionally absentee and early voting, an error rate of about 4%. The error rate, even though the numbers surged, went down to 0.3 to 0.4. And that meant that there were about 7 million ballots that were cast, not on election day, that under previous protocols and laws would have been thrown out, either because they came in too late, they didn't have an address, they didn't have a proper signature, but they were accepted. So that paradigm, left feels, has been very successful. And they feel they've mastered the use of it to uh, vote harvesting and get out the vote, and Silicon Valley money targeting particular precincts to you know add workers or to get the registrars to hire people from Silicon Valley. Whatever the methodology is, they feel that they have massaged the laws in such a way that they won't lose another election, and so that means that they have to nationalize all of the election laws and not just count on a particular magistrate here or a judge there to give them what they want. And that's what this bill is about. It's to make everything the same. And, of course, the Constitution says specifically that the states shall establish their own laws for national election with one exception, that is if there's a overriding consensus. And what the founders meant was what later was interpreted as the women's right to vote or the 18-year-old vote. That became nationalized. But still, they did not go in and nationalize the way that particular states wanted to vote as they are now. But It's just a subtext of this whole thing as they feel that they have a methodology that they will not lose another national election.
1: Right, Professor Hansen. I mean, there are problems that are so obvious that uh, firstly, federal government is encroaching on state rights, which is unconstitutional, you just mentioned. Uh, Secondly, removing the ID requirement for voting is an opportunity for an outright fraud, and the voter confidence is diminished and can result in lower voter turnout and increased cheating opportunity by filling in empty ballots. And if we take into consideration the media censorship and the witch hunt, On anyone who questioned the results of the last presidential elections, we can say, as you said, that the Democrat-run Congress wants to stay in power indefinitely through H.R. 1, because no one will be able to question fraudulent elections that we are being set up for. What is your advice to voters?
2: Well, they have what we call prep the battlefield. So they start with a preposition, the proposition that we're going to do something very extreme And they know privately, if you're the head of the Delta Airlines, they know that you can't go into a shareholders meeting without an ID. And people know that that are against this law, they can't get a vaccination without an ID. They can't get in on an airplane without an ID. So first of all, they understand that their own left-wing states, many of them have voter ID. So it's not about that. What it's about is they're going to establish the rules that if you object, then you're a racist and that is going to tell the 70% of Americans who poll that they want an ID. That's a greater number than conservatives. That includes independents and a lot of Democrats. But they're telling those people that you are racist, and the reason they're doing that is they feel that that 70% traditionalist cohort is going to be quiet, or live and let live, or they're too busy with their business, or they care about their family or community. But they're not the 30% who run Hollywood, or the entertainment industry, or the media, or Silicon Valley, or the foundations, or professional sports. In other words, the loud 30% these corporations and these politicians believe is the real power in this country. And that will continue until the 70% And it's not just voting laws, it's an open border, it's stopping fuel production, natural gas fracking, et cetera, et cetera. But it will continue because the 70% have not found a mechanism to tell these corporations or these federal and state governments and officials that it's a very unwise thing to go against the majority. They're not afraid of them. They have no deterrence because they don't boycott, they don't protest, they don't riot, they don't loot all the things that the left uses to intimidate people.
0: Indeed, Professor Hansen, you've really articulated the concern about America's corporate wokeism. And in a recent piece titled Wealthy and Woke, you write, and I quote, CEOs never fear offending the conservative silent majority who are assumed not to boycott or protest. The woke revolution is not a grassroots movement. It is powered by a well-connected and guilt-ridden elite. Yet the religion of wokeness assumes these high priests deserve a Exemptions, Their wealth, credentials, contacts, and power ensure none are ever subject to the consequences of their own sermons, unquote. What are we to make of this sense of uh, entitlement and at the same time taking away the opportunities for ordinary, hardworking, decent American citizens?
2: Well, it's not new. Because the Jacobins during the French Revolution were all aristocrats and the Bolsheviks were upper middle class people and gave themselves exemptions once they took over the Soviet. And we know from socialist in Europe, uh, anybody who's been in Europe and witnessed how communism first in Eastern Europe or socialism in Western Europe worked out, there was an exempt elite. And so it's no accident that some of the people who created BLM who were Proud Marxists are now buying up homes with $100 million that's flown in per annum. Uh, one person just bought a home in Kapanga Canyon near Malibu. So we all know that. And we know that they're not really aggrieved at a voter fraud. They don't really think that they exists. They're doing this because they want to take hold and exercise power. And we know that the Delta chief executive who makes seventeen million dollars a year, that works out on a you know work five-day work week per year, that works out to about sixty-five thousand dollars a day. We know that he's not gonna give up his membership in the Atlanta Masters Golf Club. We know that. So why do they do these things? And it's usually to tell people that don't boycott Delta, don't question my salary. Why did we have 250 retired military people damn Trump for even thinking about using federal troops to quell the violence last summer in June? And yet none of them objected when there was 30,000 put in Washington after the January 6th Capitol uh, riot. And the answer is that many of them are very well connected in the defense contracting world. They're on corporate boards. What I'm getting at is you've got to understand what this wokeness is. It's like you or I buying career insurance. Once you say that you're woke, then you get an exemption to live your life in ways that not only might not be woke, but they're antithetical to wokeness. And I think that makes an enormous temptation for everybody to get on the bandwagon. Sort of like the old Soviet May Day parade, when you saw all those geriatric apparatchiks up on that May Day, and they would all have their Marxist uh, Legala out there, but none of them believed in it. But they knew it was too dangerous to say anything. And that's what we have now. We have a lot of people in the corporate world, Wall Street, entertainment, sports, and the military, who feel, if I take this insurance out, not only will I get better jobs and career enhancement, but they won't come after me. And of course, they still will. That didn't work with the white Russians or the Mensheviks in Russia, and it didn't work with people like Danton and the constitutional critics of the French Revolution. But that's where we are now. A lot of people are panicking. So they're making the necessary adjustments for their own particular careerist or sense of self-survival.
1: Professor Hansen, securing election integrity also depends on free speech, which is protected by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And in front of our eyes, the big tech and mainstream media was interfering in the U.S. presidential elections in 2020 by suppressing, editing, blacklisting, shadowing or banning the content, just the content which was unfavorable to Joe Biden. Dr. Hansen, for the sake of the freedom of speech, election integrity and for maintaining educated and well-informed citizenry so voters and taxpayers who can form their own opinions based on the objective news and information, how do we make sure that the big tech and the mainstream or corporate media abide by the First Amendment?
2: Well, you know, they say that they are private entities, and then they can make rules, and they always bring up the idea that if, if you're on a Delta flight and you wanted to yell blank, 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 the flight attendant can silence you for the, the larger purpose of public good, and that that idea has been confirmed by the Supreme Court. But what they're not telling you is that there is a distinction. That is, when you rig free market enterprise and you create a monopoly, and then you say to the consumer we're going to censor your thought but you know what it's a free country go somewhere else so if you don't like twitter and you go to parlair and then they destroy that company by taking it, its apps off common servers then you really don't have a choice it, you know the irony it's very reminiscent when i grew up in the 1960s in the pre civil rights movement when people tried to institute civil rights there were people in the south who had restaurants or lunch counters, and they would say to African Americans, we have no problem. You can go anywhere you want to eat. I just don't want you to eat at my lunch counter. So go over to your own lunch counter. But there wasn't another, there was no other alternative in many of these small towns. So they had effectively disenfranchised them, even though they were private entity. And the Supreme Court said you can't do that. You can't deny people their freedom under the Constitution uh, when there is no alternative. That's where we are now. We have to go into court and show that Twitter and Facebook and Google and Apple are rigging the system so of social media and Internet searches so that you have no alternative. They're operating a monopoly, and that's illegal. Just the way that... The Rockefellers, John D. Rockefeller did with the oil industry, or just like the railroads did in the 1860s, they told farmers, if you don't like our freight rates for your grain in Iowa, then go, go, go to another railroad. But there was no other railroad. So the federal government came in and said, we're going to regulate you. And I'm not a big fan of regulation. They don't trust government that much. But these $5 trillion capitalization in Silicon Valley has created a, an octopus, and there's no way to stop it. If I want to search and say Joe Biden appeased somebody, or Joe Biden said that he never got a shot, and he said that he, I never got a shot uh, on December 21st. What if he said there was not one shot being given? If I go on the internet to find that quote, even though he got a shot on December 21st and he said there were no shots being given when he was inaugurated on January 20th, I'm not going to find that. I'm going to go through 50 50 results that say far-right doesn't understand Joe Biden's confusion. Far-right didn't understand he was speaking metaphorically. Far-right used a minor problem. And then I'll get down to maybe the 80th search. And we'll say Joe Biden falsely said there had been no vaccination before he took office. And that's what Google and Yahoo do. They have a a monopoly on this access and use of information. And we, on the conservative side, again, live and let live, have not appreciated that until they consolidated power, and then they sprung on it on us. They Suddenly they said, as if it was a night of the long knives they said, look, we're going to get rid of Parler, and they all did in concert. Amazon did, Google did, and so did Apple. And then they said, we're going to disbar Donald Trump, and they did all you know, at 2 in the morning on the same day. And that's what they've done. And I don't know how you stop them other than regulate them, or you have alternative platforms that are immune from their ability to destroy them. And so far, we, we don't.
0: Professor Hansen, what do you consider as the greatest threats to Western civilization, and specifically as we view the United States of America, a nation founded on constitutional principles, the rule of law, protecting life, liberty, and private property, with roots in the Judeo-Christian tradition?
2: I go back to what the early critics and supporters of democracy said, Aristotle, who was a supporter, Plato was a critic, Montesquieu, John Locke, all of them came up with Cicero, especially. They said this, that market capitalism or freedom of private property and and commercial latitude connected with freedom, that is constitutional government, was important, but it created a lot of leisure and affluence, and therefore it was incumbent upon the free citizen to have religion or a family or community to restrict some of his appetites that were legal, but otherwise in excess. And if you didn't do that, as Aristotle said, every man thinks he's free politically and he's equal because he, he can vote just like anybody. Ben will eventually demand that he be equal in every other aspect of his life. In other words, a Democrat in Athens in 440 B.C. because he can vote just like a rich man can without a property. That's wonderful. But very soon he gets it into his head. Well, if I can vote like he does, why does he have more than I do? And why is he taller than I am? And why does he have a prettier wife? And why does he have a nicer home? And they will eventually then try to equalize on the back end. That's exactly what we're seeing now with this new word, old word that's used in a new fashion, equity. We've replaced equality, which meant quality of opportunity, with equity that we're all going to be equal on the back end and a quality result. And that's what people warned us about. Constitutional government and democracy in particular, they said you have to have some type of self-restraint or the citizen gives into his appetites and his human nature being what is they become a mob, an ocklock. And that's why our founders and their brilliant said, you know what, we're going to have electoral college. We're going to have checks and balances. We're going to have vetoes. We're going to make two-thirds of the Senate approve a treaty. We're going to have two senators from every state, no matter what the population. And yet that's what's under attack because the left wants equality in every aspect of our lives. And they want to engineer that. And that's what people for the last 2,500 years said destroys democracy
0: eventually we are truly privileged to have dr victor hansen join us on america's roundtable Uh, for more information about his excellent writings and books uh, we would encourage our listeners to visit victorhansen.com victorhansen.com professor hansen thank you so much for taking time and joining us on america's roundtable
1: thank you professor hansen
0: thank you This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adansami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.